2: Erlon, I will never forget it.
0: Ear Hustle, stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it.
1: Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, this is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, our conversations will focus on it's this time of year when there are more gatherings, But think about those with untreated or other levels of hearing loss. Well, holiday parties and events can be particularly isolating. So we'll talk about what you can do to make sure everyone feels inclusive. Also, Financial Giant, Bank of America, and Operation Hope are coming together to expand the Operation Hope program known as Hope Inside. It's a program that will offer in-person free financial counseling. Plus, this weekend's Celebration Bowl will crown an HBCU football champion. Not only will I pick the best band of the two, I'll tell you who's going to win. And then I'll have no friends. We'll get a preview of the North Carolina Central University and Jackson State University big game. All this just ahead, but first this. Georgia U.S. Senator John Ossoff wants more language options for warnings about scams involving money that people send to their families in other countries, as we hear from Emily Wu Pearson.
2: In immigrant communities, it's common to send money earned in the U.S. to family members in other countries to help out. The World Bank estimated in 2020, immigrants sent more than $550 billion U.S. dollars out of the country. But those people can be at risk from scammers. So Ossoff is asking the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to expand resources on possible scams to the eight most spoken languages in the U.S. More than 1.5 million people in Georgia speak a language other than English at home. Currently, the resources to help prevent scams are in English, Spanish, and Mandarin. The expansion could include Tagalog, Vietnamese, Arabic, French, and Korean. Emily Wu Pearson,
1: WABE News. And in other news, Georgia Power has agreed to raise electricity rates by less than it had originally proposed. But as Emily Jones reports, the plan still needs approval from the Public Service Commission. If the commission approves the deal,
2: monthly bills for a typical customer would go up by about $3.60 starting in January. Georgia Power's original plan would have raised bills by almost $15 a month. The state's largest power company reached the settlement with the commission's staff. Under the plan, bills would increase again in 2024 and 2025. The company agreed to spend less on an infrastructure plan that analysts say is wasteful and expensive and agreed to major cuts to a plan that paves the way for electric vehicle charging. Along with approving or rejecting this agreement, the commission still needs to decide a few key issues, including Georgia Power's profits and the future of rooftop solar.
1: Emily Jones, WABE News. Amazon plans to close its Kennesaw warehouse laying off more than 200 as we hear from Alex Helmick. Amazon
3: filed its notice to close the facility and lay off workers there with the state, which is required by Georgia law. The warehouse was part of the Fabric.com brand that Amazon bought in 2008. The online retail giant earlier this year announced plans to shutter Fabric.com in a cost-cutting move to streamline sales through the Amazon brand. The Georgia warehouse employees are just a few of the many workers Amazon is expected
1: to lay off in the coming months. Alex Helmick, WAB News. And finally, UGA head football coach Kirby Smart is among finalists for this year's Dodd Trophy. It's presented by the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year Foundation and Peach Bowl. And of course, it has a corporate sponsor, PNC. Finalists include five of the nation's top coaches in college football, whom by the foundation standards, quote, embody the award's three pillars of scholarship, leadership, and integrity, both on and off the field. The other finalists, Willie Fritz, Tulane, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, Chris Kleiman, Kansas State, Kyle Whittingham of Utah. This is Kirby Smart's third selection as a finalist. Pretty good. However, whoever's chosen, but I have a feeling it's Coach Smart's year. You're listening to Closer Look. And Close Look continues from WABE here in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. According to the latest latest data gathered from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, total household debt rose by $351 billion, reaching $16.51 trillion. Now, before you swipe your credit card, you may want to listen to this. Americans' total credit card balance was $925 billion. That was in the third quarter of this year. A lot, indeed. Now, to dig, to dig, dig, dive deeper into the money issues in the U.S. According to other data, fifty-six percent of Americans are unable to pay one thousand-dollar emergency bill with their savings. Now, y'all may think that, well, why is that? Well, I understand this too. It is hard to save when you're in debt. And in an effort to educate people about financial literacy, Bank of America and Operation Hope are teaming up to expand the Operation Hope program known as Hope Inside. Christine Channels is Bank of America's head of community banking, and she joins me now to talk more about this program. Christine, welcome.
2: Thank you, Rose. Great. I'm glad to be here.
1: When you hear those figures about debt that many in this nation are carrying, it's not a surprise. It's not lost on someone like you?
2: No, not at all. I mean, the pandemic has really increased the need for emergency savings and and reducing that and having that available. And that's why we've looked at at the communities we serve and to see what else can we do? What more can we provide when it comes to education or or programs to, to help that problem?
1: Do you think, and I think it is pretty evident to most that the pandemic and inflation, all this back to back, how this has already impacted, those households are already challenging and stressed with Paying bills and then saving in general.
2: Absolutely, and you know, I'm thinking about the stat you just said about the thousand dollars. I can remember right before the pandemic, the the stat that came out was around four hundred dollars uh, that we couldn't uh, overcome an unexpected. a, a mm-hmm. Majority of Americans couldn't overcome an unexpected four hundred dollar cost. Now it's up to a, a thousand, and I think it's because you know we have we haven't built. The the fundamentals around savings and that know how on how to build a budget and how to do savings, and there's a need for more of that.
1: Is it something as simple as just knowledge? I mean, because listen, you know, now there are other factors here. Obviously, many of us would like to maybe make a little bit more money. You know, you factor in what people are able to bring home, obviously, but is it just something as simple as just a little bit more extra knowledge or financial uh, literacy? training or or education can really impact the household and help someone save just a little bit more or know where to turn?
2: Yeah, I think knowing where to turn is really important. Um, We created Better Money Habits, which is online, available in English and Spanish, free for any consumer that wants to learn more about, you know, basics of financials, deposits, savings, how to build your FICO, um, and, and even goes into investing. And we've seen really good results. And during the pandemic, we saw a lot of people really using that. But what's been the magic, I would say the magic combination is when you take that know-how and you combine it with a counselor and a coach that you can work with one-on-one and ask those questions. And that's where the power of our partnership with Operation Hope and, and allowing consumers to work directly with coaches has really paid off.
1: Financial giants, as you all are part of, often there is a perception about financial giants, such as Bank of America and other uh, banking institutions, reaching communities that maybe not be able to bank with you all or have a huge financial asset located within your bank. So when you partner with these, operate with these programs, these organizations who are better equipped, maybe better suited on the ground, being of the community that's important for you all
2: absolutely you know as a as a bank we are we've got 4300 financial centers and a third of them are in low and moderate income communities so we're in the neighborhoods and we're hiring from those neighborhoods and providing capital and assets and doing education services but partnering with operation hope and bringing those coaches inside to our centers allows us to have a further reach and to go beyond banking, you know, when nobody wants to say no, mm-hmm. when somebody comes in and, and wants to get a car and they've got some credit history that needs to be repaired, or they need to help with their, their savings. I mean, I can offer them products and services that I know are safe mm-hmm. and, and easy to manage, but I can't go home with them and, and help them with their budget and tell them how to spend and where to save. And that's where the hope inside coaches really make a difference and make it personal
1: let's talk about this then these coaches they will be strategically located in those communities you just talked about or all of your branches
2: so we're we are expanding we began this program in 2020 and we were in four centers two in which we're in atlanta two in la and so what we're doing right now in 23 we're going to go to 180 financial centers. And they'll have the far reach of being able to help other centers in that community. And this is for clients and non-clients of Bank of America that need financial advice. And uh, So you don't we'll have to be, be an to account. To- I want
1: to be very clear, Christina. I apologize for cutting you off. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. You don't have to be an account holder with Bank of America. No. Okay.
2: No. You can come into our our financial centers and talk about what your, your needs are, what your goals are, priorities, And we can refer you to uh, an Operation HOPE coach who will work with you. And um, that's that's how a lot of our counseling happens. We also have nonprofit organizations like Boys and Girls Club and, and other efforts that we connect with in our local communities that HOPE coaches will help refer as well.
1: What are some of the, other than probably working on FICO scores or credit scores, what else are you all offering?
2: Well, they they really range to what does the individual need. Mm-hmm. Budgeting and savings is probably the key theme we hear the most. They're you know every, but Most of the consumers we're working with have a goal in mind. They have a car that they need for their job or they want to get into a home. And um, the barriers to that are usually around having the right down payment, having the right savings, budgeting. There's FICO is a big piece of it. What we saw... Just in, before we've done this expansion, we saw uh, consumers that worked with Operation Hope Coaches increase their FICO sco- score by more than 21 points on average. Mm. We saw a debt reduction of more than $837 on average and savings increase by 4300 So significant results in relatively short period of time of working with a coach, and so having the range of services, whether it's helping with student debt or budgeting or FICO, they really cover it all.
1: This is a program that's Atlanta and L.A. Do you hope to expand it even further?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be hitting 17 U.S. markets beginning in January, and we'll be covering cities like Brooklyn, New York. We're going into Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Houston, uh, we're in Florida, in Miami, northern New Jersey, Philly, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Francisco, and D.C. So really excited about getting out there in the community and making a difference.
1: And, if there's, and for folks who may not be able to, to get out to a branch, do you all offer anything online?
2: Absolutely. So um, I mentioned earlier we've got Better Money Habits, which gives you a lot of education and really pick your topic of interest. We can do virtual sessions if you'd like to attend a class or if you want to read on your own. And again, it's free online, English and Spanish. And um, obviously we're online at Bank of America. You can always make an appointment with us. Mm -hmm. We can meet with you in person or virtually as well.
1: You know, Christine, coming into the segment, it talked about obviously the pandemic and for some of some households, we're still dealing with, you know, everything from that. And then, inflation and there's talk depending on whom you ask about the r word recession how timely is it to have these these, this product available for whether they're bank of america account holders or, or not
2: absolutely and i think that's we're seeing this need we've been that's why we started with operation hope back in 2020 we know there's a need to get financially resilient and and help communities, you know, move up the economic uh, chain and with what's expected next year. And and hopefully it'll be better than what the news is reporting right now for 2023. But um, we're really hopeful that programs like this will help consumers be recession ready or or be ready if there's an emergency that they've got the savings on hand to be able to um, get through that.
1: Finally, as we begin to wrap up, Christine, what have you all noticed in terms of community needs, uh, community engagement needs, as, as a word, that's a phrase that people use. I think sometimes they, they use it the wrong way. But for the sake of this conversation, in terms of community engagement, what have you all of at Bank of America hoping to improve or, or getting to other areas that maybe you're not able to? Because, listen, when it comes to financial literacy, and I know I am not, listen, I, I am terrible with money. I just figure if it costs this much, I got to pay for it.
2: I I think programs like this really start to, they fall into our common purpose, which is to make financial lives better for individuals and small businesses, and particularly those in underserved communities where we're there and we're working to provide them the right core banking products and, and make sure that they're affordable and safe to use. And when you connect the financial education to these offers and um, being able to give access to jobs, you know, we're hiring from those communities, mm-hmm. putting capital and, and really help to close the wealth gap and, make, and help people be financially resilient. I mean, that's the goal and
1: objective here. And also to be clear, this is, we have we, used, used the term, you said underserved communities, but listen, I have nieces and nephews who are just bad at money too, like their auntie. So this really, these are products for anyone. And Generation yes, Z, absolutely. Generation Z, if you're listening, they don't like to spend their money on anything because they borrow it from their aunties. So they should take advantage of this as well. Rose,
2: that's a great point. This
1: is of course, it's a everyone. great point. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, but this, this is services for anyone that wants to be better at handling money or to be more educated when it comes to financial literacy. This is for anyone.
2: Absolutely. This is available to everyone. Everyone. So visit one of our centers. We're going to be in 18 cities across the U.S. Happy to help and um, bring people the, the support and resources they need.
1: All right. I'll make sure my nieces and nephews are there. Christine Channels, Bank of America's head of community banking. We've been talking about the Operation Hope Program known as Hope Inside. It's free financial counseling program. We'll have links from our website to these programs. Thank you so much for taking the time, Christine. Happy holidays.
2: Thank you, Rose. Great to be here. I hope you have a good one, too.
1: And Closer Look from WABE in Atlanta continues. I'm Rose Scott. It is a time of year. We know there are more gatherings, folks are coming to your homes, you're going to holiday parties. But I want you all to think about this. For those with untreated or other levels of hearing loss, these parties and gatherings can be particularly isolating. So I want to bring in Ashley Pierce, a hearing care professional at Hear USA, located here in Atlanta. Ashley, thank you so, so much for taking time. I really appreciate it.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me
1: today. I want to begin, before we, we talk about all this, I want to begin by talking about appropriate language and how we address folks. Even coming into this segment, I was telling Kevin, my engineer, the research that was important to me to understand certain terminology that we don't use anymore, that is suggested we don't use anymore. And I said of those with several levels of hearing loss because we don't want to use the the hearing impaired. Some say that is offensive. We definitely don't say deaf and those, but that's important that folks understand that language has changed. And if you could talk about the reason why language is important.
4: Absolutely. So what I see patients every day, it's a hearing loss. It's something if you have you know, problems with your eyes, you'd, you'd see an eye doctor and it's no different coming to see someone like me. You're having a problem understanding. And a lot of people have the misconception is that, oh, you're deaf. You just can't hear. No, that's not necessarily the case, mm-hmm. because if you were deaf, hearing aids would not help you as much. Mm-hmm. They would just help you with sound. A lot of the times it's a clarity issue. Mm-hmm. People say like, oh, you're mumbling or it sounds like you have a sock in your mouth. Speak up. But we just treat a hearing loss.
1: Mm-hmm. So it is possible to host and make sure you have a what we would say a hearing loss friendly gathering.
4: Yes. So, um, what that would indicate is a lot of people when you go into a noisy environment and people that don't have a hearing loss don't understand it because the noise is taking over so much of you trying to understand and have that, have that speech and have that conversation and it's just so hard because all you hear
1: is noise mm-hmm. in the background. It, for someone listening says, well then, Ashley, can you tell me then where do I begin, what I should be thinking about when considering a holiday gatherings where I know that there may be individuals who are attending that have some level of hearing loss?
4: Absolutely. So a lot of things to take into account is music, background noise. When you're having a conversation, especially in a large group, when somebody has a hearing loss, to be mindful, just to put yourself in that position to be like, there's so much noise, I need to make sure that that person that has the hearing loss is seeing my mouth move because your brain learns to bridge that gap because they watch for consonants and vowel sounds Mm -hmm. as well. And it's harder for them to hear with all that background noise. But when you have hearing aids, that is actually an aid, it's actually helping you understand and give you that clarity back.
1: Ashley, do you recommend that if your host a family member whomever you have someone who is attending the gathering and should you inform other guests hey i just want you to know that we do have someone that that has a hearing loss and i want you all just to be aware of that
4: yeah cuz a lot of people have the misconception of like I, if i just talk louder or if i yell they understand actually that's not the case it's just
1: and it's the worst thing to do Correct. <laughs> come on, come it on, people.
4: Yeah. It. it actually distorts it. It makes it worse. So, um, not to, it kind of depends on the person because you don't want to offend anybody. You mm-hmm. don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. That's sure. my main thing. But it is important to say, hey, you know, my cousin has a hearing loss make sure if they don't understand you the first time rephrase it because like I said consonants and vowels are very important when somebody has a hearing loss if you rephrase it if you just keep repeating it they didn't understand it but actually rephrase and use a different word
1: I have a listener who says we always ask folks about their their uh, uh, hear- if they have issues with certain food. so why wouldn't we make sure that other folks know that someone may have a level of hearing loss so I think that's a, that's absolutely that's a good point
4: very
1: good point are there clues that you think a host or, or or folks should that they can provide for those who have a hearing loss for at, at, the, at the gatherings or so how, how do you tackle that is,
4: yeah <laughs> what I always tell my patients is like you know say rose you know do you want to get something to eat and you heard did you want to rub my feet is that what you said to me a lot of people. Oh, actually, look easily. at you
1: getting fresh <laughs>
4: and you're like, no, Rose, I said, do you want to get something to eat? You didn't hear me. You notice Mm -hmm. that, or you notice that they're actually laughing, but they didn't know what you said the joke was. They're Mm -hmm. just following suit of what everybody else is doing, or you notice they start to pull away at parties. They just, because it's embarrassing, and you don't Mm want to seem like you're bothering anybody, but you want to be a part of that conversation, and it actually makes a person feel isolated when they have a hearing loss, and they haven't treated it, and they keep pulling themselves back because they don't want to be a bother to
1: anyone. And what about with, with, uh, with, with kids? I mean, especially with the the smaller ones, uh, Mm -hmm. any suggestions you have for parents, if you are taking your child or you have someone that you are taking to uh, particularly a younger person to a holiday Mm -hmm. gathering, what, what should parents, they should tell the host the same thing as well.
4: Yeah. Just if, if, especially when you're dealing with a child, it's the same thing, make sure you're getting down on their level. That's a huge thing for a child getting down their level and don't, You know don't treat them different because they already especially with kids when they have hearing aids they know they're special and they know that they're having something to help them and just getting on their level and not treating them different but still make sure you're enunciating and you're making it upbeat and fun and not talking down to them
1: that's huge I want to uh, shift for a moment, Ashley, and talk about the work that, that you do. You say you see a lot of folks here. Uh, obviously, you, you're a, hair, a hearing care professional here at USA. What are you noticing in terms of, of folks being able to come in? Because often, you know, we we say, oh, I'm getting older or I'm having, you know, but what folks should know about getting a yearly screening f- for your hearing? Get your eyes checked, you get mammograms, you get a, every other thing. But I think sometimes when it comes to our ears, that may be the last The last thing that we go and get checked out on an annual basis.
4: Um, There's there's a lot of things because people it's one of your five senses and people don't realize that like if you did not see one morning you woke up and could not see or had blurry vision your immediate thing was let's go to the doctor I'm Mm -hmm. on my way so with hearing it's really it's a companion thing as well because they're like oh they just you know they're telling me they're repeating themselves all the time they're really not I'm just you know I'm busy. I've got other things on my mind, but when you notice like A, B, and C, like the TV, I'm having difficulty with the phone. I'm I'm missing what you're saying or hearing something completely different. That's when it's time to come in, and it's it's just important to get an annual every year.
1: And then I want to talk about this because now we know that the FDA has recently allowed some hearing aids to be sold over the counter. And I know folks may say, well, you know, I'm going to purchase something as a as a as a gift. But understand this: just like you would not get me the wrong size. Of my favorite sneakers (laughs) (laughs) there are some things you should know uh before you purchase a hearing aid right
4: so uh, over the counter i think so it's going to be a great push for people that have never had their hearing tested or think you know hearing aids are way too expensive i don't need to bother with it i'm fine that's what i hear a lot of but actually 48 million americans have a have a hearing loss It's gonna push a person that was kind of on the edge of like, do I need hearing tests? Do I need hearing aids? It's gonna push them to be like, I need to I need to be active about my hearing
1: health. Did you saw did you all see a decline in folks coming in or more during the pandemic or did it increase?
4: So it actually made a lot of technological advances because it made us kind of do telehealth appointments, which we've never done and we've had to kind of run fast and hard with those. And we've had some great great advances with hearing aids where we can a patient doesn't physically need to be in the office for us to connect when you have bluetooth connectivity in these hearing aids you can actually connect like we're connecting right now through zoom and i can connect into their hearing aids and i can do an adjustment from them sitting in their recliner
1: you know ashley the great thing about being an expert when you're on closer look is that you get emails from people and i always say now (laughs) please consult folks with your primary care physician or a specialist, because they send me questions. Ashley is a professional, but she cannot diagnose. But I think this is a very good question from a listener who says, uh, "When when should one start to to determine if perhaps there is a hearing issue with a uh, an infant?" And again, I so we then, want to stress the. You know,
4: oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my main practice is with adults over eighteen, but in a ger- generalistic saying you get a newborn screening when they are born Mm -hmm. and just following up on every appointment because, um, pediatricians, I I have four children, so I've been through it. (laughs) Um, they always test their hearing every annual. And if you have, if you notice something, it's your child speak up. They always, cause you're with them all the time. They, you know how your child acts, but noticing if that, you know, the, their teacher or their care, their other caregiver saying, did you notice that they're not hearing this as well, or they're Mm -hmm. not coming to you? always advocate for your for your child
1: and finally ashley as we wrap up what do you hope that folks take away from this conversation today if there is one gold nugget when it comes to these holiday gatherings and these events that you're having and if you are expecting or if you're not expecting someone with the hearing loss to attend
4: um just always think about your health because it's it's it can't hurt Just always, always be mindful of your health, your hearing health, your senses. Take care of yourself because you're meeting with family and they want you around. So it's, you know, kind of your obligation to be around for them and share those good times. And they want to be there as much as you want them there. But always take care of
1: yourself. All right. Ashley Pierce, a hearing care professional at USA in Atlanta. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good conversation, good tips and suggestions. We appreciate it. Happy holidays, Ashley. Thank you
4: so much for having me. Thank you. Happy holidays.
1: That is the Jackson State marching band known as the Sonic Boom. This is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Now, before y'all call me out on social media, let's have a listen to the North Carolina Central marching band known as the Sound Machine. Okay, there, I, I should be safe now. I should have friends on both sides. Best believe these two bands will show up and show out to this weekend. The Cricket Celebration Bowl takes place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium tomorrow at 12 p.m. It's the postseason college football game featuring the MIAC and SWAC. Those teams from their conferences don't have a ticket. Well, watch from home like me because the ABC network will carry the game. Who will it be? Hmm, will it be North Carolina Central? Will be Jackson State. I'm going to wait till the end of this conversation to give my prediction, and I'll tell you which one has the best band. <laughs> Let's talk about it because there's a little extra besides the game, because former Atlanta Falcons and Braves, Dion, primetime Sanders is all up in the mix. He's the head coach, well, kind of, sort of, for Jackson State. It's his last game. Join me now to talk about all this veteran, I call them OGs, sports broadcasting veteran Sam Crenshaw broadcast veteran with over 30 years experience in radio and television sports reporting in Atlanta and other areas in just a second Mark Lasser will join us as well and folks I got to tell you I started my broadcast career way back in the late 90s with Mark Lasser I've watched been mentored too he doesn't know this by Sam Crenshaw on how you call a perfect sports game Sam Crenshaw good to have you back.
3: Always great to catch up with you, Rose. Fantastic. Been too long.
1: Been too long. Listen, you know what? This is a big stage, a celebration bowl here in Atlanta. But let's be clear. Let's let's set the stage for folks. Before we talk about the game, talk about the atmosphere when you talk about an HBCU championship game like this.
3: Yeah, it's a bowl game. And you think about it. It's not a classic. You know, people think about classics. The yeah. classics are, are predetermined who's going to play in those games every year. This is a bowl game. You have to earn your way to this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the organis- organizers for this game, uh, Tip of the Cap, to John Grant, and everyone there with the Cricket Celebration Bowl, the Sparsers and Partners, make it a complete bowl game experience. I mean, the teams arrive here. They have a reception at the World of Coke this week. They have the champions at mm-hmm. uh, dinner. And the, the team hotel, I was just over there about an hour ago. Uh, They have a grooming lounge. They just got a pop-up barbershop. Wow! Guys walking there getting the you got to get that fresh cut for game day. Gotta get
1: that fade in there, brother.
3: You got to get it (laughs) ready. So I mean, they have that set up for them. So many things for them to enjoy. It's a bowl. They got a radio row set up where people can go and do interviews. They bring in members of the teams up uh, to talk to the media there. And also they had a breakout session with the National Football League today. Troy Vincent. And some of the executives from the mm-hmm. National Football League are in just visiting with not just the players, but just students from HBCUs mm-hmm. about careers with the NFL, but careers in professional sports with all leagues and maybe in some capacities that people hadn't thought of. We mm-hmm. just think about what's going on on the field. Yeah. But there's some people, you know, upsizing those uh, office buildings and those high rises in New York where those headquarters are for the professional sports leagues that are making a lot of money, and
1: Mm -hmm. those
3: jobs last a whole lot longer than the ones on the field, you know?
1: Absolutely. And Sam, when you think about going back when you first started covering HBCU football or sports in general, how these bowl games and sports, college sports in general, has just, I I don't know what the word, exploded is not the word, it's just, this is a big money making industry even when it comes to you know we know that there is some 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 equity issues obviously and there's a disparity gap with some of these programs but at the end of the day there is college sports is a money maker for for an institution
3: absolutely and uh, you know espn has found this out with hbcus especially with the coming of uh of coach prime to jackson state <laughs> remember their games were being played during the pandemic mm-hmm. there was no other live sports on except for the spring season. Uh, these HBCUs were playing games on Saturday and Sundays. And so they were the only live sports going on except for Korean baseball at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people got a chance to see, okay, these guys do play good football at these schools. And here's somebody we all know that's involved with it. And look at this facility, a nice stadium like at Alabama State. Mm-hmm. Kids have been told for the longest time to go to HBCUs, the facilities won't be good, mm-hmm. that nobody will come to your games and it won't be televised. And they found out that wasn't necessarily so. Mm -hmm. And so now you have a number of young players who were willing to give HBCUs a try maybe lift the programs, the profile of the team. The thing I'm most excited about tomorrow Mm -hmm. is a young man from Metro Atlanta who will be playing in this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Travis Hunter. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew he was the kid who was supposed to go to Florida State, but chose Jackson State. He will play in that game tomorrow, and I think that's the most significant thing about the game this year. Is that last year's number one high school recruit is playing in HBCU's greatest showcase. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Now, whether he'll be there next year if we go out to right. Colorado with Prime, <laughs> we don't know. But for tomorrow, to me, that is even bigger than, than than Sanders coaching is the fact that the number one recruit in the country is playing for HBCU uh, tomorrow.
1: And I think, folks, if they don't know and understand this, you know, there was a time when some of your best players in college football were coming out of HBCUs. Now you and I are old enough. We're seasoned enough to know about sweetness. Walter Payton, yeah. you know, yeah. Jerry Rice, Steve mm-hmm. McNair, Doug Williams, Claude Humphrey. I mean, we you can go, you can name a little bit some, you're a little bit older than me, Sam. So you can say name yeah, some other ones, yeah. but oh, yeah, understand this, this is when there was a time because of segregation, you know, so you had some outstanding players coming out of the HBCUs all these football programs and then we saw a shift. Do you think we'll see a little bit more attention played to a little bit more attention paid to HBCUs because of primetime? Do you really think that that's that's the case here or did it never go away because I was always told, look, when you are good, you will be they'll find you.
3: Yeah, but will you be televised? And I think that's that's been the thing. Now people will be good and they're, they're going to be televised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I hope that the HBCU conferences and the schools and the presidents and the powers that be are looking for ways collectively to maintain this momentum. Um, with with Sanders leaving, a lot of people feel like a lot of the, the luster will leave You know, with him. Uh, I think that the stage has been set and people have seen that things they were told for years about HBCU are not true, mm-hmm. um, that they do play quality football, that they are well-coached teams there, that they do have state-of-the-art facilities. you got to remember, Rose, when when integration came along in 1970, and I'm so tempted to start a, a podcast or write a book called The 1970 Playbook, because so many people don't remember the playbook that was run on mm-hmm. HBCUs. A playbook was run on HBCUs. You know, yeah. Let's extract their best talent. Let's extract yeah. their best talent and see if HBCU football goes the way of the Negro League.
1: Mm.
3: How about that? That was part of the game plan from the 1970s. And it's almost happened. You've had some programs yeah. that have really struggled to just to exist mm-hmm. and maintain. And thankfully, it's still here because unlike the Negro League, this is attached to education. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a way for people to receive education while participating in, in sports. If that top level player goes to the other place, the HBCU is still what it's always been, the land of opportunity.
1: And if you and don't, so uh, you know this name, but folks, if you don't know the name of Nate Northington, I want you to look it up because that is crucial. And, and Sam, you know, the first black player in the SEC.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and just that that whole the story of that first four up at Kentucky. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm kinda happy that in recent years, um, the last couple of seasons or so, the H- the, the, the teams around the Southeastern Conference have recognized uh the, their first black players. Mm-hmm. Georgia did the same thing last season, brought their first first four black players uh back and they were honored there on the field with Coach Dooley yeah. who passed away, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. Alabama did much the same thing. Uh they had a weekend with the uh the first two or three recruiting classes of, of black players to play at alabama because you look at alabama's football team now you think it's been that all the time
1: no, no. it is not and and i and, can and we and could I'm, go into it i'm going to bring in mark lassner because yeah. we all three could go into what coach paul bear bryant was thinking but you know that's a whole nother show so i'm, I'm, I'm a native
3: of I'm a native of, Bur- I'm a native of birmingham until sam cunningham came and beat them down at legion field they cannot say it happened at a bowl game it happened in, in Birmingham, the people that had to <laughs> accept it, and they changed the team the next year.
1: <laughs> That's all we're gonna say, Mark Lasser. That's all we're gonna say. Welcome to the program. Good to good to talk to you. You know, we started our career together back in nineteen. <laughs> Mark. Ooh, oh, oh, yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Mark Lasser, you with me? I need you to unmute for me. But yeah, so Sam, you know, back in the day when I was in sports talk radio, and we used to talk about this a lot. We used to talk about the, from a historical standpoint, the contributions that black athletes made to professional sports. And, you know, I always get on people when we talk about the Negro Leagues. I was talking about y'all do realize there were three sisters that played in the Negro Leagues. That's a whole nother show. But Mark, I want to bring you to the conversation because I asked Sam just about are we I asked him about are we at a place now where we're going to see more attention play, paid to HBCU athletes, particularly at the, at the in the football programs?
0: Rose, it is great to hear your voice <laughs> after a long hiatus. But, you know, I think we're at an interesting point. In HBCU football, given the recent rebirth of Jackson State football, the uh, it, it's such an interesting time because to have a game like the Celebration Bowl on national TV in front of a, a live audience, it's something that wasn't even happening, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there is an opportunity. And I think that as it relates to Jackson State and Coach Prime, my only Disappointment on a personal level Uh is that I think on in three years, had Coach Prime stayed at Jackson State, they would be beating Mississippi State.
1: Uh, what you think, Sam? I'm along with
0: that. I
3: I was actually hoping. I was actually hoping that that next year they would and put a, a Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech on their schedule. I think that team is ready for that. I mean, they played Louisiana Monroe last year to a very close game. Yes, I remember And that's that. really what they needed to do. They, they needed to play, um, you know, a Sunbelt Conference, or Conference USA-level opponent. Not saying they need to go for the Power Five now. They don't have mm-hmm. enough of that type pet talent. But just like Mark said, if they had maintained that, add another for a couple of five stars this time. And then next year, by the third year of this, you would have a team that could go and probably go toe to toe with some of the teams at the middle or to the bottom of some of your power five conferences. And sadly, I don't think that will happen, but I still think they could still be at the top of the FCS. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, that's the goal. That's the immediate goal. Um, So you you want to see the program maintain and get strong enough to do that.
0: And and let me me, me explain why the reason why I say that Rose Mm -hmm. is because I think once you start to change the talent drain just by a a small amount. You start to build HBCU football franchises beyond just the skill players, Mm -hmm. but you're able to build depth on your offensive and defensive lines like they haven't been able to.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: HBCU schools can compete with the first-line players right now, but they just don't have the ability to suit up 100-plus guys that matches the depth that most of the top schools that you see on the major bulls, what they can do.
1: Let me ask you all this. Does it mean also you have to have a big name draw? Because let's be really clear. Primetime is that name. (laughs) You know, you're going to prime time comes to your house, sits down on the couch and says, Mr. Mrs. Crenshaw, Mr. Mrs. Lasseter. I want to recruit Sam and Mark. I'm (laughs) primetime. As opposed to, hey, I'm Rose Scott, and I want to recruit your kid. You know what I'm saying? Well, but he
3: doesn't. He doesn't say that Rose because you got to consider the parents right now are the age they remember Deon and they're yeah. right around his age. Yeah, right. That's true. So he was everything to them. He was everything to them, and he becomes calling to your kid. They know him. He's never been a bad spirit. He's never been in any trouble. They know, it, and you know what I mean. So they say, "Sure, kids, sign." What does he have for you to sign? Sign it today. You know, <laughs> take it, it, him. And, and that's that's right. That's something he can do because the parents right now grew up with him, and they know him, and they, you know they know he's been a quality brand all all this um, as long as we've known him.
0: And Mark, and Sam, just said, go ahead, Mark. No, Sam just said the magic word. I'm just picking up on what he said about known brand. I think there's an opportunity, Rose and Sam, for coaches like. Hugh Jackson has done it at grambling, a mm-hmm. former NFL head coach. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity, say if in your wildest imagination if a coach like Brian Flores, who mm-hmm. used to coach the Miami Dolphins, who's now an assistant with Pittsburgh, has some legal challenges to the NFL. But if Brian Flores stepped into an HBCU college job, he's that instant recognition that Sam just talked about.
1: Well, let me ask y'all this too. There's another aspect mm-hmm. of this and that is Kachin because <laughs> you got to pay these coaches as well and let's be yeah, it's true you know five yeah. years at 27 million as opposed to three years at six hundred thousand. i mean you know
3: yep that's, well if you're already sitting on bank now you you, you sit you're sitting on bank already like you with. sam you know, I'm not talking about like prime. He's sitting on bank already. You know, right. he's going to do this. Good point. You know. Yeah, good point. I don't know. I don't, hey, but but, you know, and that's the thing, Mark, I don't know what part you how you feel about this. Yeah, it's business. And, and he's doing that thing. Do I think he set out to do this? No, I don't. I think he got into it and his people. Obviously, he's got some agents and managers who who look for opportunities for him. They did the fact about it and found out that the opportunities were real. I think he threw a price out there, wondering if they will bring it back. And Colorado brought it back, so uh, I don't think I don't think it was malicious on his part. remember, remember the thing we do not talk about. This man has a degree from an HBCU. Yeah. If he did not have his degree from Talladega College, a school with about six hundred students, two hundred fifty of them in the band, and no football team, mm-hmm. if he did not have that degree, none of this would be possible. Less than that. Mark, I'm surprised and dismayed at the people who do not know that a college football coach at any college has to have a degree. Right. I don't really think HBCU coaches don't have degrees. Right. I'm, I'm dismayed yeah. at the people who do not know that, man. And that's
1: a whole yeah. other conversation. Listen, let's talk about this game for a moment, fellas. Yeah. Look, Jackson State coming in. You should see these text messages. and Jackson State coming in undefeated. <laughs> Rose, make your prediction. Y'all just wait. Jackson State coming in undefeated. You got North Carolina Central saying, look, you know what? We had a pretty good season, too. Mark, lay it on the line. Who wins this game and why?
0: I think there's – once you get beyond the X's and O's, I think there's a very important emotional factor that has to do with what does a team playing its last game for a head coach who's departing, how do they play? Mm -hmm. Now, there's also this factor – I think Jackson state plays in a conference, the SWAC, the Southwestern athletic conference that has probably a notch up in competition level from the MEAC. Uh-oh. Okay. So I think there's that. That's fair. Now the upside for North Carolina central is their quarterback who has thrown for over 20, almost 2,500 yards. The difference being he's also thrown 10 interceptions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go out on a limb, Rose and Sam.
1: I'm going to say Jackson
3: State big, 42-24. Ooh. Sam Crenshaw. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know if it would be, it'd be that big because everybody thought it would be that way last year against South Carolina State. But Pew out outcoached yeah. uh, Sanders last year, um, which I saw Coach, he, coach Pew. He's in town uh, for the game. He's being honored. But, you know, I, I think Central comes with, with a chance to kind of do the same thing. You don't know what this week has been like the last two weeks has been for the players. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, they're trying to practice. Their coaches out in Colorado, Uh, (laughs) half of them have already uh, said they're going to go into transfer, not half of them, but a number of saying they're going into transfer portal. Uh, Recruits who said they're going to Jackson State are decommitted. So there's a a lot of distractions going on out there, and it depends on how those guys handle that. Um, It could be difficult. But I think the guy I mentioned, I I hope he puts on a show. I think Travis Hunter could be the guy that makes a difference. This is Mm -hmm. a big stage for him. And if he's leaving HBCUs to go to Colorado, what a stage for him to go out on, to go and have a big game. He touches the ball in so many ways. They play him on offense. They play him on defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, He could get an interception, take it back for a touchdown. I think this guy plays off the charts tomorrow and Jackson state gets, gets this win Uh, tomorrow. I'm going to say a score maybe like 35, 20.
1: Now there's a, there's a little bit of, what both of you have said that I'm going with, I do think for Jackson State, I think it's very emotional for these players. You know, um, but again, Mark, we were talking about this. This is a HBCU football environment. So you got to show up, you got to look good, you got to show out. So I think after the after the nerves, after the, the players get the, the nerves out of their stomach, you know, I think there's going to be a big play that changes everything. And I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to lose some friends, especially Christian, I'm rolling with NC with North Carolina Central. I'm going with them. Uh oh. On a so,
0: bold statement. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Rose to your point about showing up and showing out. Yeah. One thing we do know, Rose, is that the sonic boom of the South. Uh oh. Yeah, man. Yeah, Texas man.
1: State marching
0: band. Oh, oh my has goodness. It's got to be in the top five.
1: So I just got an email from a colleague who says, you know, Jackson State's the best marching man. You know, I'm, I'm always for the underdog, you know, because, <laughs> look, I, I, I love both. And and I do think that Jackson State has a little bit more flair. But when we in this segment, I am going to go out with the 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 sound machine just because I want to give him a little inspiration. Give
3: him a little love. Give him some love. Show love. some love. You Before,
1: know, as we wrap sure. up, fellas, go ahead, Mark. No, I was just saying that one of the great
0: moments in my life is being at the Soul Bowl, which is held in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And you know it's about to be game time when the Sonic Boom of the South plays their trademark, Get Ready by the Temptations. Yep. That's their marching music. So anybody attending the game tomorrow, listen for Get Ready.
1: If folks don't understand what that environment is like, Mark, I asked Sam this coming into the segment, what what should folks know about this type of environment it's more than just a game
0: the best way I can describe it is that everyone is welcome you can be at an HBCU football game and I guarantee you somebody will come up to you swearing that they went to college with you or that they know you <laughs> or that you look just like June Bug's cousin right, it is, right it's an environment that is it's you know in all seriousness it's a safe space for mm-hmm. black folks mm-hmm. and Given that we don't have, we can all use safe spaces, it is a rare experience that
1: anyone can attend and
0: feel right at home.
1: And it's in yeah. Atlanta. That means something, Sam.
3: Absolutely. Very much, because every practically every HBCU um, in the country has its largest out-of-state alumni group in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think about it. Jackson State, I'm sure their biggest out alumni group outside of Mississippi is here. Uh, Great and the same for North Carolina Central um yes what you graduate from that school you can't wait to get here <laughs> why
0: do you
3: think we keep why do you think we keep building all these doggone apartments around this town
1: <laughs> sam and we
3: won't stop doing it, right
1: absolutely sam crenshaw mark Lasseter. this has been great catching up with you fellas i want to say thank you for what you all have been doing for hbcu sports and being mentors For folks like me and and some of the younger generation in in sports broadcasting in this market, you all have always given folks opportunities, including me, Mark. Back in the day, man, it was fun.
0: (laughs) We had a blast on those Saturday afternoons. and uh, Your passion for sports has always come through in your reporting, and it's just great to uh, huddle up with you again.
1: All right. I appreciate y'all. Y'all take you always care of
0: sports. You always got sports in your heart, Rose. I
1: appreciate you, Sam. Thanks, Mark. All take right. care. And that's it for this edition of Closer Look. Our producers are Sean Hudson, Daniel Razel, Pat St. Clair, our engineers, Kevin Rinker. They all tell me that North Carolina Central is going to win. No, they didn't say that. But a reminder let let us know your thoughts on today's program and e- any other. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And of course, WABE.org slash Closer Look if you missed any of this broadcast. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Ro Scott.